Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, O Lord God, for this time that we have with you today, O Lord. I pray that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Speak to their hearts in your own special way. Heavenly Father, only you, you know what's going on in their lives. You know every single need, every single desire, every single aspiration, every single challenge, O Lord God. So I pray that you will minister to them in your own special way. Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O Lord. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Praise God. Okay, again, welcome to Genesis 1. Today's message is going to be about Palm Sunday. And uh, we know that uh, Resurrection Sunday is about a week away, roughly. But today I want to talk about the, uh, the challenges that we have before us as children of God and as Christians and so forth. And, and, and why does Palm Sunday, you know, have, have such significance? You know, um, it, it's a date on the calendar that comes around every single year, you know, but, and many times we view the things that are written in the word of God as, as, as nice events to inform us of historical, biblical events that took place. But how does that apply to us today? You know, and the word of God was written in a way, it, it's a living word, you know, meaning that, that it's alive. It isn't something that was a stagnant book, the Word of God. It is not just a stagnant book, a collection of events and things like a like a history book, you know, like a regular secular history book. That is, um, the Bible is, of course, a history book, but but it, it's more than than just documenting historical events. Okay, it, it's documenting deep spiritual events, and and it has deep spiritual meaning, which means that it's everlasting. Okay, it applies to us today. So we're going to look at Palm Sunday through the eyes, uh, through God. God's eyes through the word of God and see what it is that, it, that he's telling us, you know. So, so as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday, you know, which is next week, we move forward to see God's plan unfold as we remember Palm Sunday. The fascinating thing about the word of God is that the word of God is from a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change, and his word says that. The word has the same power that brought ancient Israel through the challenges of yesteryear and can also bring us through the challenges of today and will bring us through any challenges that may come up tomorrow. Amen. That's the way the word of God is. The same power of God that brought Israel through the challenges of oppression, persecution, disease, and blight will also bring us through the challenges of oppression, persecution, disease, and blight of today. Okay, and we see oppression that is going on. Okay, the the, the people are being being oppressed. Okay, in general, they, you know, those that were quote unquote governors, you know, from a secular or civil perspective, those that govern us would want to just keep us in a constant state of fear or being down, always worrying about something. There's always some issue that's out there. As far as persecution is concerned, yes, the Bible speaks quite a bit on persecution. Jesus spoke specifically on persecution, and we Christians are indeed being persecuted. Today, they want to get God out of the picture. They don't want us even mouthing the word, the name Jesus Christ. If they had their way, they would just shut us down. So, yes, persecution is indeed abroad. Thank God we have not seen anyone, as far as I'm aware of, anyway, that that's been 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 martyred. You know, has been killed and been, has been told to. I want you to denounce. You know, the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. I haven't heard of that happening yet. Okay. But, um, you know, there is a persecution that's going on. Okay. So we need to be aware of the fact that we've been delivered from that or it, it will exist, but we have God there that is, is in our corner and he's fighting for us. Okay. You see, there are always parallels in God's word that align with the issues of today. 
like I said from the outset here, don't think that just because this book was written thousands of years ago that it has no practical meaning, no application to today and, and, and for our lives here today. We might not always understand God's long-term pur- purpose, but you can certainly see parallels in the Word of God to what is happening in our lives today. You see, you know, and I guess you say to me, well, Pastor, what does Palm Sunday, you know, how does it fit into today's time? So that's what we're going to look at as this message progresses, okay? How does Palm Sunday fit in with today's times and what's going on in my life today? How does it fit in? But for starters, we have to always remember that nothing that God does, okay, I say again, nothing that God does or permits to happen is outside of his control, Okay. We see things happening around us and everything, and you say, well, why would this happen? Or why would children, you know, wind up being taken or in, in a gun shooting and so forth? That's a whole separate sermon unto, us, unto itself, and I won't get there now. But uh, uh, nothing that God permits to happen uh, is for no reason, okay? And, and ultimately, God will indeed be glorified, even through something as horrific as that. God will indeed be glorified, okay? God is working, and he's bringing things to a point where he's going to continue pouring out his word and continue doing exactly what prophecy said he, he, he is going to do and what prophecy said would be happening uh, on this planet as we progress into time until Jesus returned. So we have to remember that nothing, nothing, nothing that, that God does or allows to happen is outside of his control, okay? And we can always see that by reading the word of God. Amen. Amen. We should come to understand, this is important, we should come to understand that the spiritual realities behind what is happening in the natural world or the physical world around us, okay, that there's, there's significance there. We have to always remember that. And these spiritual realities are there, and they've been there since the beginning of time, okay, and they've been you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness and wickedness in high places. That's what Ephesians 6 says. So we have to remember that these spiritual realities are around us, and they're indeed guiding things that are happening in our lives around us today. The challenge, however, is often our ability or our inability to let Holy Spirit, Spirit show us those realities, Okay. Many times it seems like what's happening around us is senseless and does not, you know, why, 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 why? But if we're praying to the Lord and as the Lord so deems, he will reveal to us through his Holy Spirit exactly the reasoning and exactly what is indeed happening. Because in that way, if we're listening and following Holy Spirit, we know how to direct our prayers. We know how to pray. Okay, we know what we need to bind and we know what we need to loose. Amen. Amen. So we have to always remember these spiritual realities are indeed out there. Jesus made all of our victories possible through his crucifixion, okay? Through his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and ultimately by giving us the Holy Spirit to guide us and comfort us through the troubling times of life, all right? And this is all this tying into Palm Sunday and the resurrection and so forth, okay, as as we're going to see, you see? So through that, Jesus set us free from the dominion of darkness and sickness and death. We've been set free, okay? We do not have to put up with sickness. We don't have to to put up with darkness that is around us. We can pray in the name of Jesus and let Holy Spirit direct our prayer, you know, what we need to bind up and what we need to cast out, okay, and how we need to cover ourselves in the blood of the Lamb. The Word of God has all of that in there, okay, so that we can indeed be victorious during these during these times. And we're living in some troubling times, granted, okay. Again, but what does Palm Sunday have to do with our lives today, Okay. The deliverance of salv- and, or salvation, you know, the deliverance of salvation is due to the cross on Calvary. 
Okay. And Palm Sunday was the continuation of Jesus' journey to the cross. Today, we look at Jesus' path towards his date to fulfill prophecy on his way to the cross. As we continue on to Resurrection Sunday with next week, we move forward to see God's plan unfolding. Okay, God's plan is unfolding. This week, we look at Jesus' path towards his date with prophecy on his way to the cross. Jesus' whole life was a journey. Okay, realize that, saint of God. Jesus' whole life was a journey from his baptism by John the Baptist all the way to the cross. Okay, when God put this plan in motion by giving us his only begotten son, from the time that God decided to have Jesus born on this planet in Bethlehem, on through, it was all a part of Jesus' journey. And the ultimate goal was us, to give us salvation and to save us. All right? And if you're not born again yet, and if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, something you need to think about as you listen to this message. All right, Think about it. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, now is the time to ask him into your life. It's not difficult. There's no fancy um, or, or, or fancy prayer or, or, or ritual that you have to go through. All you have to do is simply acknowledge the fact that, that, that you need Jesus, that you cannot run your life by, your, by yourself. You know, To admit that if in, if in your heart of hearts, if you really, really believe that he's the son of God, okay, he's the living son of God, then tell him that you believe in him. You know that he's the son of God. Lord Jesus, simply come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Guide my thoughts. Guide my actions. Lord Jesus, just just help me. I give myself to you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. I repent of all my sinful ways. I, I, I renounce anything sinful in my life or anything that I may be involved in of the occult or whatever. You, are not, you renounce all of that and, and, and put it away. Okay, and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. It's as simple as that. It's a deep, heartfelt prayer. There's no ritualistic stuff, no lighting of candles, no standing on one foot, jumping around in a circle three times. It's simply if you really and you believe, believe, and you really in your heart believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He can save you, then ask Him into your heart. Do that today. Or do that right after this message. Okay? Don't waste any more time because we never know when the Lord is going to return. The Word of God tells us that. We don't know when He's going to return. Okay. So anyway, so this whole thing, you know, Palm Sunday leading into uh, Resurrection Sunday next week was all a part of God's plan. It was all a part of Jesus' journey. And it started with his baptism uh, by John the Baptist and went all the way to the cross. So why don't we go to Matthew 3.16. Matthew 3.16. Now's a good time to say also, if you don't have a Bible with you, put this on pause. And run and get a Bible, maybe a highlighter and a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper to take some notes as the Holy Spirit so guides. And uh, make some markings in that Bible of yours so that you can come back to these uh, passages at some other point in time as Holy Spirit so guides you. Okay. And so here it's talking about our, um, him when he, Jesus, when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And, it, and I'm going right to the key verses here. Verse number 16. I'm reading from King James, King James Bible. Verse 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so we see here that there was a need for Jesus also to be baptized. Okay, and at that point in time, Holy Spirit came upon him. Okay, now one of the mysteries here is Jesus Christ, of course, is, is God. He's the Son of God. And he is God. But here we see we see the Godhead: God the Father, 
God the Son and God the Holy Spirit manifested in one scripture, okay? A low, a voice from heaven, meaning God the Father. This is my the beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says in the preceding verse, and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, okay? So Jesus Jesus Christ here was touched by Holy Spirit. God acknowledged him as being his, his, uh, his only begotten Son in whom he was well pleased, okay? And thus I submit to you, now Jesus' real part of his journey is beginning to come to fruition here. And we see there that directly after that happened, what happens, okay? After he was filled with the Holy Ghost, so to speak, okay? Then he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, okay? Now, an inter interesting thing here is that one parallel there is that when we, human beings, when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we are also filled by the Holy Spirit of God when that happens, Okay? then that's when things in our lives many times start to change and start to happen. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I'm not trying to frighten you here as someone who has not yet done that because God has given us the tools and the weaponries to, to, to resist any temptation, okay? But that's when the devil all of a sudden will perhaps increase, increase his focus on you, you see? Because prior to you accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you were not a threat to the devil. Okay, you're not a threat at all. He's, oh, I can claim him, I can claim her whenever I get ready to. But once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the devil knows, uh-oh, now his eyes are open. Her eyes are opened. So then he starts trying to tempt you away. He tries to tempt you, tries to throw things at you that would make you doubt who you are. All right? Well, this is exactly what happened to Jesus as we continue here. And, and we're going to go continue with Matthew 4, verse number 1. Matthew 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up by the spirit of the wilderness. Now, this is right after he was baptized, okay? Then was Jesus led up to the spirit into the, led above the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that the stones be made bread. Okay, and let's pause there for a moment because we see a couple of things right there, okay? It says in verse number one that after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Jesus Christ, when he was in a human body, he experienced all of the human needs that we did. Okay, just because he was the Son of God didn't mean that that he didn't uh, he didn't have to react to and respond to the cravings, if you will, of the flesh of the human body. Jesus required sleep many times in scriptures. We see that Jesus slept, and now it's saying that he was hungry. So just like any one of us, okay, if you don't eat, you get hungry. Now he was fasting for forty days. Now the devil also knew. Okay, in verse number three says, and when the devil tempter came to him, he said, "If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made of bread." be made bread. Okay. Now he knew Jesus was hungry. He knew Jesus was 40 days without food. So he was in, in a weakened condition, if you will, physically speaking. Okay. So then what does he do? He, he throws a question at God, at Jesus. They're saying, if thou be the son of God, if, okay. So right away, he's trying to make Jesus doubt who he is. Now the devil knows exactly who Jesus was. The devil knew exactly who he was speaking with there. Okay. But what he wanted to put that doubt in your mind, the devil will do the same thing to you, same thing to you. At times of trial and tribulation that's going in your life and you've got a challenge there and it feels like, 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 boy, it feels like the whole world is just caving in on you. The devil will plant that thought in your mind. If you be a child of God, if you believed in Jesus Christ, if, 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 if he always wants to plant that seed of doubt. And, and he says there, command these uh, stones be made bread. Right? So therefore, he's telling him, if you're the son of God, then then satisfy that physical need that you have to eat. 
Okay. All right. If you'll be the son of God, satisfy that physical need. You're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay. So therefore, there's something more important than what we feed ourselves. Okay. Not only bread in this particular case, in this particular case, he's, he's referring to the bread, but, but, but bread is, is sustenance. Okay. So we're not to really focus on and worry about our, our sustenance. Okay. From material things. Our sustenance comes from God. It comes from the mouth of God. It comes from the word of God. Right. So when the devil pl- tries to put that doubt in your mind, that if you're a child of God, okay, then so and so and so and so and so, then you don't worry about those circumstances around you. You focus on the word of God. You focus on the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. Then the devil, uh, verse 5, taketh him up into the, the holy city and set him upon uh, a, a, tim- a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, there he is again, if thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands, in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Okay? So again now he's trying to throw throw scripture at Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Son of God now, and the devil's trying to throw scripture at him. Okay? All right? The devil knows scripture, but he will not always are um, uh, 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 quoted accurately, okay? And here, what he is trying to quote from is uh, uh, Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, which says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash on thy foot against the stone. But what he omitted was to keep thee in all thy ways, okay? So while he called himself uh, uh, um, uh, uh, preaching or quoting the word of God or scripture to Jesus Christ, he misquoted it. Okay, that's why you as a child of God or you maybe someone who is considering coming to the Lord haven't quite done that yet. But if you're studying the word of God, you need to make sure that you know the word of God so that when the devil or someone else comes across your path and tries to quote scripture to you, you know whether or not it's accurate and you know the context in which it should be used. Amen. So we can't just go, let ourselves go out there blindly just going through this life here, you know, thinking that we know it all because the devil will try to quote scripture to you. Now, very rarely, I hope you never do, actually see the devil and see Satan himself, but that will come through somebody else. It will come through someone else, someone else that you know that's trying to give you some advice, and they will quote scripture to you. You need to make sure that Holy Spirit that is in you brings the scripture back up to you and you listen to what Holy Spirit is saying because people will misquote scripture. For their own reasons or their own ignorance, or maybe they just don't know better or whatever. Okay, but you need to make sure that you know what the word of God says. All right. So he throws out this scripture to Jesus, the misquoted scripture. Okay. And uh, uh, Jesus said to him in verse seven uh, unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Okay. Now that's what he wanted all along. He wanted Jesus. Now what, what boy, oh boy, what an accomplishment that would have been if Satan could have got Jesus, the son of God to fall down and worship him. All right. And ultimately that's what Satan wants all of us children of God to do. To get us to a point that we give up on God, okay, we start doubting who we are in God and fall down and worship him. Right? All right? Okay? And we see that going on around us so much because what's happening in our world today are things that are happening that they're trying to, to take our eyes off of God. 
They're trying to take our eyes off of God as being the source of everything that we have, everything that we are, and trying to put themselves uh, as the source of all that they can give us. Okay. They do this through, through money or through other things that they try to throw out there to try to tempt you away and say, See, look at me. Look at man. We can take care of you. If you just follow what we say to do, we can take care of you. They don't want you to be following God. All right. Okay. So that's the whole thing. The devil would love to get you to get you to bow down to worship him. That's what he was trying to get Jesus to do. That was his whole agenda. But Jesus said to him in verse number 10, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thy serve. Shalt thou serve? Underline that, please. Okay? Okay? It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So we see here in this temptation time in the desert here, each time the devil tried to come at him, Jesus hit him with a scripture. Okay? That's why in the armor of God there, the sword of the spirit, it is the word of God. It's a powerful weapon. And we need to wield that, that, that sword, that sword, okay? That sword, we need to wield that sword, you know, with, with, with strength. Hit the enemy that's in your life with the word of God. Hit that individual that's trying to give you a hard time at work, in school, in the neighborhood, or wherever it may be in the community. Hit that person with the word of God. Speak the word of God to that situation. Amen? That's what Jesus did. Each time the devil came at him, he hit him with the word of God. He said, it is written. It is written. Okay? So you see, as this journey continued now, so, okay, so it went from his baptism, it went to, with him uh, into the wilderness there. And then we see, see there that the journey continues and we know about the raising of Lazarus. And I want to show you how things are starting to progress here now. And uh, go to John 11, verse 43. John 11, verse 43. Okay. Now, this is, and I won't get into the scriptures preceding when he, preceding how he got there to be with Lazarus and how he tarried and so on, but go right to verse 43. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forward. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Okay, now, what a point I want to make here is that through this miracle, People started believing on him. This is all a part of Jesus' journey to the cross. People started believing on him. They saw that man that they knew was dead had been in the grave. If you read the preceding scriptures there for four days, had been then, and they knew that he was dead. Now Jesus performed this mighty miracle and calls a dead man back to life. And they started believing in him. Okay. Now, verse 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. So right away, they run and rat on Jesus, so to speak, and went to the Pharisees and said, this guy, Jesus, boy, he's done it again. Now he's raised someone from the dead. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we do? For this man does many miracles. If we let him alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away our place and nation." Okay. So he didn't want the fame of Jesus uh, expanding. He didn't want people, more people to start believing on him because then they were afraid that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus would, 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 would replace them, re, would replace and take away their importance. 
Okay, remember how they as Pharisees, they were the cream of the crop. You know, they were the elite of the religious establishment in that day. So so now they were worried that Jesus was going to replace them. Okay, and then it says in verse number 49, and one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, you know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And and this spoke he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. See, here's the plotting now. Okay, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Verse 53, then from that day forth, they took counsel together to put him to death. Underline that, please. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. Okay. So now we see the journey that he's on there. Okay, now you see that while God was glorified and people are believing on him, remember, Jesus had to get to the cross. That was God's ultimate goal to get him to the cross. Okay, that's where the salvation, that's where the victory would really take place. Okay, so now we see the journey. They didn't like what he saw, what they saw, the Pharisees. So now we got to kill him. Okay, that's why they don't want us to talk about Jesus. They know the power that is, is in the name of Jesus. If they could just get us to forget all about him in our speech at work, in our speech at school, our speech in the community or whatever is going on in our lives. If they could just get us to forget about Jesus and wipe him out. OK, because Jesus was going to replace the Pharisees. That's what they're worried about. Those that would try to empower over us would try to 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 rule over us. They want to keep their place ruling. So they do not want to be replaced by Jesus, even in today here in the 21st century. Okay. Every single person in this country or, or in, in the country in where you live, where you're listening to this message, if the word of God could spread like wildfire and every single person, every single believer, they would rise up in the name of Jesus and get into deep prayer and that there be a revival, a spiritual revival, a spiritual revival in that country, in that nation, in that town, in that community. And we can take back what is trying to be stolen, stolen from us. They don't want us to do that. They don't want us to recognize the fact that Jesus saves. Okay. So here, getting back to the word, they started plotting right away to kill him. Okay. So then as this journey continues, let's go to Matthew 21, 1. Go to Matthew 21, 1. And we see in verse number one, and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and where came come to Bethpage, or come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, go into the village over against you and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her, loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say, say aught unto you, if any man say anything unto you, in other words, you shall say the Lord has need of them and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, behold, the king uh, cometh unto thee, meek, unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt of the foal of an ass. Okay? Now, this was, this was, of course, uh, quoted in Zechariah 9 9. Okay, where it was prophesied way back then, way back then, hundreds of years prior to this event, that this was going to happen, that the Savior would come uh, on, on sitting on upon an ass, the colt of full of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they sent him thereon. 
and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches of palm. Others cut down branches of palm. So, so underline that, please. Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. Okay, and this is where we get Palm Sunday from. And the multitudes that went before that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of, of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple and cast out all them that sold and brought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And it said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. Okay, so now here's another set of events here now that has the Pharisees and the chief priests and the scribes. They're very upset at what Jesus is doing. You say, no, me turning my father's house into into a place where you're, you're selling stuff and your money changing and everything. If Jesus was to come today and walk through some of our churches, does he find, would he find similar events kind of going on? Okay. All right. All right. Where the main thing, thing for that particular church here in the 21st century, the main thing for that particular church is what they can buy, what they can sell, what they can do to earn money instead of focusing on the word of God. Do we see that going on today? I don't have to answer the question. You know the answer. Okay. Right. Now, 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 there's nothing wrong with having an occasional bake sale and different things like that. But do not let those things outweigh the importance of the word of God, where you focus more on 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 on, our, um, on, on trade, if you will, on how you can make a buck for the church. OK, OK, then focusing on the word of God. You want to build another part of your building? You want to, want, to, you want to modernize the classrooms for your children's Sunday school? Then you get together in the Word of God and you pray and you pray. The Holy Spirit will tell you how to solicit some funds. But don't make that your main effort. This is what Jesus is talking about here. They turned it into a den of thieves. Even though the Passover was coming near and what they were doing, they were also selling sacrificial animals, doves and lambs and things like that. Jesus is saying, that's not the place for it. This is my, this is a house of prayer. That's what we need to make sure that we are remembering that our physical church buildings are a house of prayer where we gather together as a community, as a body to pray and to, to seek the Holy Spirit and listen to the word. Right? Right? Don't let buying and selling for your, for your church outweigh the importance of spiritual matters. Okay, and it says that because of that, they were very displeased and said unto them, unto him, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, yea, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings? Thou hast perfected praise. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. Okay, so you see that operative scripture there is in verse 17 at the end there. They were sore displeased. Okay. All right. So Jesus is going on to his ministry now. He's been baptized and now his ministry is unfolding. And then we see that if we go to Matthew 12, verse 22, Matthew 12, verse, uh, verse 22, Matthew 12, verse 22, we see here now that Jesus is really rebuking the Pharisees. Okay. Then was brought unto him one of one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. 
And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided itself against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? And then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scatters abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Okay? Well, that's a powerful statement. Okay? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was there healing. He was doing good things. He was doing good things. That he, he was healing people of being blind and dumb. And the, and the Pharisees, and they saw him say, oh, what is he doing? Who is he casting these devils out by? He must be casting them out by, by uh, Beelzebub. All right. So Jesus said unto them that all manner of sin, you say, I, if I'm casting out, if I'm casting out by, Zeal, by Beelzebub, then that wouldn't be very wise of the satanic kingdom because I am casting out evil with evil. And a house, therefore, divided like that cannot stand, okay? That's what he's saying, all right? Okay, if I'm doing the casting out with evil, by calling on, by using an evil spirit, then that's not smart on the devil's part because then I'm using an evil spirit to cast out evil, okay? We say, how else would you, would, 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 would you um, overcome a house but to first bind up and kick out the strong man, Okay? And he says there, that whoever speaks a word against God, uh, wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not, uh, Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. So what this, what they're doing there is, so you understand what this is saying here. He's doing something good by, by the Holy Spirit of God. If you go saying what someone did is not of the Holy Spirit, but is of something else or someone else, he's saying that that's blaspheming. That's blasphemy. You can't take what Holy Spirit has done and give credit to something else or someone else for the good that Holy Spirit has done. Okay, a doctor, a doctor healed you, and someone asked you, someone asked you, uh, well, who healed you? And instead of you saying Holy Spirit, you know, you say, well, the doctor healed me. Okay, and you're not giving credit to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit guides the thoughts in the hands of doctors that work on us. I hope you know that. Okay. It's the spirit of God that, that guides men, that guides people. You, you know, when I know of someone going into the hospital for an operation or something like that, I always pray. I say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit will minister to the doctors and guide the doctors and the nurses, the anesthesiologists, all of those in attendance over so-and-so. I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide their thoughts and their actions and decisions. Okay. All it takes is one decision made by a doctor and anesthesiologist that is not of God to make a mistake. And then you wind up paying the price for it. So I always pray that Holy Spirit will guide those men of medicine, those women of medicine when they're working on people also. Okay. So we have to make sure we don't, we, we don't make the mistake of saying, saying the doctor healed me. Okay. That we realize that Holy Spirit, God was the one that did the healing. So Jesus is saying that if you start giving credit for what I've done, 
okay, to Beelzebub or anything else, then you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit because it was the Holy Spirit that did the healing for these people here. Okay, and he goes on to say there, uh, um, uh, verse 31, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. So if you speak against Jesus, it shall be given you. It can be forgiven you. Okay, if you speak against Jesus, whosoever speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be for- forgiven. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world, neither in the world to come, okay? Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. All right, so there's a lot that Jesus is saying there, okay? And he's letting, letting the Pharisees know that where they're going there, they're, they're really treading on very, very dangerous ground, okay? So we need to make sure that we never blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That is the unpardonable sin. That is the one. You can talk against Jesus. He's saying you can talk against Jesus, but don't you go messing around and giving the credit to someone else or something else where Holy Spirit has done something wonderful in your life, in your life. Okay, I know someone that did that one time. They, you know, they, they were really struggling to get a, a mortgage and so forth like that. And, and finally, after a whole lot of prayer with them, for them and so forth by a number of us, uh, they, they wound up getting, being blessed with the mortgage. And I remember they showed up to church. Uh, that following day, following week. And uh, uh, we asked about it. said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The bank came through. We are, everyone said, oh, well, well, praise God, praise God. Boy, Holy Spirit sure moved. God sure blessed you in that way. Well, actually, actually, it was the loan officer. The loan officer was someone that my dad knew, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so right away, we were praising God and making him see what Holy Spirit had done there. Okay, and right away, he gave the credit to someone else. Well, actually, it was the bank officer that was there that particular day. He knew my dad and yada, yada, yada. Turns out, a few days later, we saw them. I think it was maybe a couple of weeks later. We saw them in church there, and the loan was the loan was reversed. It was reversed. Something happened, and I don't recall all of the details, but I do remember that that the loan was reversed. He told us, and they they were totally distraught and so on like that. And uh, afterwards, they they left the ministry, they left the church, and and to this day, I I don't know what have happened to them. Okay, I don't know whether they moved out of town or what. Okay, but you can't mess around with that. That's this is the point that I'm making. Okay, you cannot give. The, give what God has done in your life, what Holy Spirit has blessed you with, you know, to someone else or to something else or how, how else it happened. Okay. Recognize when Holy Spirit is moving in your life and give him all the credit, give him all the glory, give the glory to God. Amen. Amen. So we see that his, his journey, his journey was continuing there. And by this time they had made up their mind that they were going to kill Jesus. Okay. They had to get him up on that cross. They had to crucify him. Okay, and then we know through some other chain of events, which we'll take up take up next week when we uh, for Resurrection Sunday, uh, th- through the, uh, the, the the trials and everything else that the mock trial I should say that took place to get Jesus to the cross. But this was all a part of the journey, and through that journey, there's so much that we can read in Scripture. I don't have the time, of course, to cover every single thing that he ministered on ministered on. Um, but, but like that, the, there's the uh, uh, Beatitudes. 
you know, um, the Sermon on the Mount and so forth. There's so much that Jesus taught that we can just learn from. And that was all a part of his journey. As Jesus was on his way to the cross, he wasn't just going to go from being baptized straight to the cross. He had a mission. Okay, and during that mission, he, he, he preached the gospel. He preached the good news. The word gospel means good news. He preached the, the good news there on how we can indeed be set free, set free. Okay, he healed many. He healed many. And every single step along the way, he taught and he told people there you know, what needed to be done and how they needed to believe on him and to trust into him. Okay, and all of this was a part of that journey. So now we see here that the Pharisees were very upset. Okay, but Jesus, like us, had his moment. Okay, had his moment where moment moment of weakness, if you will. Okay, because he he knew that he had a mighty mighty task. Okay, on his on his plate there. So with that, we'll go to Matthew twenty six verse thirty six. Matthew twenty six verse thirty six. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. Let me just look at the preceding scriptures. Um, Yeah. Okay, so now we want to see the next step here. Verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. So he was feeling sorrowful and very heavy. He was concerned about where he had to go, what he had to do. Jesus knew where he was heading. Jesus knew that there was a cross before him and that he had to go there and die. And then on the third day be resurrected. Jesus knew what the plan was. And he was on this journey. So he knew what God the Father wanted him to do. But at this particular, and don't forget now, he's, he's, he's human also at this point. He's human. He's human as well as God. Okay. All right. So, so, so he, he's thinking about this, and it says there that he was feeling very heavy. Verse 38 says, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So he was saying here, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup, let this plan, in other words. Again, like I said, Jesus knew what the plan was. He knew what he had to go through. Since time immemorial, Jesus was always with God the Father. He was always with God the Father. Oh, how he must have missed him, even though he prayed with him regularly and communicated with him regularly. He knew that he had this task at hand. And he said, Father, if there's any other way to do this, okay, okay, can it be achieved in some other manner? Can I do this? Can I do that? You know, I mean, can someone else go, you know, or something? Imagine what we as human beings would be thinking if we were in his place there, even though he was God, God the Son, he, he was God, part of the, part of the uh, Trinity, part of the Godhead, okay? Father, if there's any way, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But then he quickly says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Okay. So do we say that in our lives? Okay. When Holy Spirit, you've been praying for something or praying for a breakthrough for something and God tells you what he wants you to do and 
what he wants you to do may not be appealing to you, may not be, may, may not be what you would like to do. Do you ultimately say, however, Father, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Okay. And that's what we have, that's the point we need to get to in our Christian lives. When we're praying for something, we're asking for direction. When God gives us that direction, then all of a sudden, don't balk at the direction that he's given us. Okay? You can't go through life. If there was some other way for it to be done, then God would have told you. So the way that he's telling you to get this thing done, that's the way that you have to do it. Jesus said, however, not according to my will, but according to your will. We need to make sure that we remember to say that to God the Father also. Okay? Lord, I've sent forth my prayer to you, and I know that you've answered. I know that this is you. Once you know that this is what God is telling you to do, then don't go fighting it and start trying to second-guess God and think of some other way to do it. However, Father, not according to my will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and finding them asleep and said unto Peter, what, what could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Now, again, he's saying, Oh, father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. So again, he's saying, Father, I'm on this journey. I wish there was some other way. You see, Jesus, Jesus knew that at that point in time, Okay, at that point in time when he was on that cross and the sins of the world were dumped upon him, that God the Father would turn away from him. Remember, he cries out, Father, Eli, Eli, Sabachthani, Sabai Sabachthani. He's saying, Father, why have you deserted me? Why have you forsaken me? Because since from the beginning of time, or the beginning, the beginning, whatever that is, before time, he was always with the Father. Remember, John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, meaning Jesus Christ. He was always with the Father, always. But now he knew that on this journey, getting towards the end, that he was going to be separated. So he says there, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. So again, he's saying, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them and went away. Went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to the disciples and saith unto them, Sleep now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that does betray me. And of course, he was speaking of Judas, and we'll pause there. And of course, he was arrested at that point. So we see that this was all a part of the journey. And during that journey... There are so many scriptures there that talk about the miracles, the signs, the wonders, what he preached, what he talked about as far as the word, as far as God is concerned, as far as, 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 as who he is and how he fits into this picture and his purpose. Wonderful scriptures, but it was a journey. It was a journey that God the Father had established. He knew that we needed to be saved and that he is his, own, his son was the only one that would be able to come to this earth and take the sins of mankind on his, soul, on his uh, shoulders and then go and defeat the enemy along the way. All along the journey, spreading the gospel, the good news. Amen. Amen. So this is what Palm Sunday means to us today. 
Okay, these actions, and I would, I would, I would urge you to go back and read those scriptures there. You know, before he got to this point, and, and look at some of the miracles that he did, and some of his teachings that he said, because all of that has to do with us today. His journey is not just planned for uh, for a Palm Sunday event. You know that we read about in in, in history is taking place. It's all for a purpose, all for a reason. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And uh, if it was, why don't you consider passing on uh, the links to these uh, uh, web, web, to these uh, broadcast messages. Sorry. We can reach that www.genesis1.sermon.net. www.genesis1.sermon.net. Look at the top of the page. There's a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available. Uh, we're also on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries, and we have our apps for um, iPhone and Android devices uh, at their respective web stores. You know, they're all downloadable for free, free of charge. Uh, you can also, once you uh, get these apps and you get onto our website, you can also uh, download these messages either in video form or audio only form. Again, all free of charge. Right? So let the let the word of God, you know, spread through your life and spread to those that you know that you care about, even someone that may be giving you a hard time, give it to them too, because God does not want them to perish either. Amen? Amen? So help us to spread the word around the world, because Jesus is the one that's Lord, and he will be returning. And we want to make sure that as many people as possible, you know, will be there, that he'll be there to, to greet him when he is ready to return. Amen? Amen? Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. We praise you and magnify thy most glorious name. We, we thank you for all things. We pray, O oh Lord God, that we shall remember these words, keep these words rooted deeply within our spirits, that we shall that they shall not be stolen away by the evil one, O oh Lord God. Let us remember how the events of Jesus' journey, how they apply to us today in this modern-day world of ours, O oh Lord God. Let us always remember to focus on you to focus on your word, O oh Lord God. Let your Holy Spirit be our guide in all things, both great and small. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We magnify thy most glorious name. We worship you and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Pray that you go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. In your prayer.